0: The following presentation has been prepared by the Video Tax News Team for Canadian Tax and Financial Professionals. Program recorded December 20th, 2018. Enjoy! Welcome to the January edition of Life in the Tax Lane, first one in 2019! Oh my goodness me! Happy
1: New Year! Let's hope it's a little less exciting in the tax world than the last couple of years. Holy Uh, smokes! Although I don't think we could raise the bar much higher. Uh,
0: Now, Hugh, I feel a little bit off today because we've lost the real Joe. He's out of town today. However...
1: We have substitute Joe You can tell that's (laughs) not the real thing. He doesn't have a bow tie. (laughs) But we will make do as best we can.
0: Oh, we can aim high. But let's get going. Let's talk about this first article here. TFSA contributions. And we know for 2019, the annual contribution limit has just been increased to $6,000. So we might be thinking about making these contributions. Maybe with your year-end bonus with your employer, they just To contribute on your behalf to your TFSA. Maybe grandpa contributed to the adult child's TFSA on behalf of the kid. Is that okay?
1: Well, that depends on who I ask, doesn't it? Uh, The law says only the holder of the account is allowed to contribute. But what does CRA say?
0: Yeah, they basically say if the holder concurs and directs the payment, to the TFSA, then they essentially are considered to have contributed, which would allow that contribution to have been made. So yes, you may be able to do that. I would throw out the caution that if you are doing this, you probably want to paper up the fact that the holder did concur to this contribution.
1: Yeah, and certainly CRA directly addressed the issue of the employer contributing to the TFSA. I'd still have the income I told him to put it in there I concurred he should put it in there it's the same as if he cut me a paycheck and I put it in myself and I think that's a reasonable result thanks to CRA for looking at it that way yeah
0: well let's move on
1: yeah one item that was a little less reasonable recently we saw a retired lawyer in the tax court why are we in tax court well because even after you retire You've got files, you've got, unfortunately, still potential litigation risk if there was a problem with your work, and you've got to maintain those for the long term. Well, she had storage costs of 1200 a year. and CRA said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You only get to deduct expenses you incur to earn income. You're not earning income anymore. No deduction. Well, I think the tax court came to the logical conclusion you don't have to store these files just because you have to store them because you generated them in the income earning process you're really still practicing law until all of those obligations have been resolved even though you're not getting fees anymore you get your deduction but Kate my concern with this might be the uh, tax on split income we uh, very much care whether we're carrying on a business from a TOSI perspective we may be concerned that our corporation is still practicing law long after we've stopped delivering legal services this could have a real impact on some organizations from that tax on split income perspective and we're hearing more about Tulsi from CRA what else have we got this morning? so
0: we have another uh, exception and we know that if we do get for example a dividend from a business that is considered to be related, that you may be subject to that top marginal tax rate unless we have an exception. And this one talks about a reasonable return. And the Department of Finance has basically said, if you get a dividend that's reasonable in the context, you're not subject to those top tax rates. You get the marginal rates, which is pretty good. And they also say, there's Only a limited number of factors we could be looking at when determining whether we have a reasonable return. And those factors are dependent on the age of the recipient. If you have an individual that's 17 to 24 at the start of the year, you can only look at the capital they've contributed to the business, 24 Plusers, we get to look at a far greater number of factors, not just the capital but also the labor and the risk that that party may have assumed. And in this technical interpretation, CRA really dissects what we mean by risks assumed. Maybe we have that individual guaranteeing or personally guaranteeing a corporate loan. Maybe they own a house, they get a mortgage on the house and take those proceeds and loan it in to their highly speculative startup business. That's what CRA addressed here. And CRA said, yes, we would look at the terms and conditions of the loan to determine whether the taxpayer was adequately compensated for that risk. Another pretty interesting thing in this uh, technical interpretation here is where we have that exact same situation, but both the husband and wife are shareholders. They both own the property, so essentially they're both assuming risk. And Hugh, what did the CRA say about kind of the relative risk? Well,
1: I'd say we got good news and bad news from this, Kate. They said, yes, clearly that assumption of risk has some value. There should be some return. Yeah. How much risk did each party take? That would be how they would divide up that return, but CRA can't tell us how much that risk is worth, so we're going to have to make that assessment, and unfortunately if we're wrong. We're still exposed to TOSI if we overpay, mm-hmm. so probably a good idea to paper up our logic on what that risk was yeah. worth. Uh, you know, speaking of papering up our logic, Kate, uh, we talked last month about the passive income rules that are going to grind the small business deduction. and. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of panic with a lot of business owners as those rules come closer and closer to being in play. We talked about the timing also last month. Uh, I think Ontario has breathed a sigh of relief because Ontario government's (laughs) decisions have taken a lot of the edge off this change, but should we be pulling everything out? And I look at this and I go, I gotta do the math. I don't wanna make these decisions in the heat of emotion. And when I stand back and look at this, if I've gotta pull out, say, Three million dollars from my company to get rid of the passive investment capital, because I'm earning five percent, I'm making 150,000, and if it stays in, I'm going to lose the small business deduction. I don't want to lose the small business deduction. Hmm. Does it make sense to pay tax to pull out three million bucks? Well, if I can get that out at even a 25 percent tax rate, I'm going to pay 750,000 dollars. That's a pretty low rate for income of $3 million if I don't have shareholder loans or something similar to pull Mm -hmm. it out tax-free. Well, $750,000 paid today so I can keep getting the small business deduction, most provinces that's worth somewhere between $70,000 and $90,000 a year if I've got half a million of eligible income. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm going to save $90,000 at best every year. That's over eight years before I repay that $750,000. Was it worth it? Yeah, so Well, even if I think that would be worth it, in that period of time, I'm building up more corporate equity. Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to build up more passive investments. I think we've really got to think about the future prospects. Where is that money going to go? In most cases, I'm going to be the contrarian here. I don't think we want to be paying tax to pull that money out. Much though it hurts to lose that small business deduction, the cure in many cases is going to be worse than the disease. So let's make sure we put the brakes on, think that through, and if we're talking to a business owner who is a little panicky, let's make sure he doesn't make a rash decision that comes back to haunt him later.
0: I know as practitioners it's often up to us to take a step back, put our emotions on hold, and do the numbers. Many business people understand the numbers. We understand the numbers, and that's what we should be doing.
1: And, Kate, it may not even be us as the tax advisor. It may be the investment advisor who's the guy who has to say, have you really thought this through, the lawyer who's papering up the deal. There's a lot of advisors along the chain now.
0: Yeah. Well, let's uh, shift gears once again. Uh, completely, different to- Sorry, <laughs> completely different topic. Sorry, Joe. Completely different topic. There's been a lot of discussion at the federal, provincial, and territorial letters, uh, levels, of me, about increasing transparency of ownerships of certain types of property. Lots on real estate, also a lot on corporations. And just recently, we had legislative changes that may start to affect these disclosure requirements. What do I mean? Buried deep in Bill C-86, that's the second budget bill from 2018, we have changes to the Canada Business Corporations Act. And under these changes, essentially, we now need to start tracking individuals who have significant control of the corporation that could include both parties that have direct ownership and are beneficial owners. We need to track this. We need to include those individuals in a registry for which not only the directors, shareholders, but also creditors can access this information. And this will come into effect on June 13th of 2019. So a big change for some of our corporate Kate, I think clients. what's
1: scary about this, the penalties for not doing this properly are burying our heads in the sand, $200,000 is a potential penalty. So watch out for that. And Happy New Year again. We'll be back next month.
0: The Video Tax News team has been providing Canadian professionals with practical tax information for over 30 years. Subscribe to one of our tax newsletters or join us as we present live and online seminars relating to both personal and corporate tax. For more details, visit www.videotax.com. That's V-I-D-E-O TAX.com. The preceding information is for general, informational purposes only and deals with dynamic, time-sensitive, and complex matters that may not apply to particular facts and circumstances. Information provided should not be relied upon as a substitute for specialized professional advice in connection with any particular matter. For more details, see videotax.com disclaimer. Copyright Videotax News Inc. 2019. All rights reserved.